Hey there, AJ Cordero here, a co-host on the Hockey Flow. I've been podcasting since 2007, and I've seen many changes over the years. But the best one has been the introduction of Anchor. And here's why. It's because it's easy and it's free. Seriously, I've spent so much time, money, and effort to get something at this level back in the day. Now, with a push of a few buttons, all that time, money, and energy are spent producing the show rather than distributing it. Now, you might not think you need a podcast, and hey, maybe you don't. But don't think of a podcast just as a way to get your news, sports, and entertainment fixes. It can be a way to tell your family's stories, shine a light on your hobbies and communities, go in-depth for a love of your team, or discuss how to change the world. The possibilities are limitless. Anchor provides creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They also distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and every player that supports an RSS feed. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum requirement on the size of your audience. Don't waste a second. Download the free Anchor app on your smartphone today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it. Seriously. The world is waiting to hear your story. Flow. It's a great show that brings you the best on the ice, and I'm privileged to share in the show with you. And we have to share with you Adam Boucher, who can be found at Really Adam B, and Marco D'Amico, who can be found at The Hockey Expert on Twitter, and of course, scrimmageandstats.com. Before we get into the episode and really too far deep in, uh, we want to let you know of a couple of things. First of all, we're going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus uh, as the hockey season winds down and the holiday season winds up. We will be back, of course, for the World Juniors because that's really what Christmas is all about, right? So uh, we're going to be there with all the action. Uh, expect an episode around December 22nd, so keep your eyes peeled to our Twitter, which of course can be found at DahockeyFlow, so that's D-A-H-O-C-K-E-Y-F-L-O-W on Twitter. Uh, and then, of course, uh, probably a no surprise to nobody who are fans of the show because you'll probably be really up on your hockey literature and what's happening in the hockey moves and moves uh, world, we have an announcement and that announcement is our good friend of the show, Salim Valji, has been hired by TSN to become their chief correspondent for the Cal- Calgary Flames. So you'll be seeing him on air every morning, pretty much, giving hits from out west. Uh, so he's now officially moved away from Montreal. We're sad to see him go, but we're happy to see him go up. And uh, I cannot say enough good things about Salim. Salim is awesome. I've known him about six years. And uh, he's just been a rocket ship. And I'm just glad that I could just sort of hang in the background and watch him rise to the stars. So, in uh, other words, uh, let me throw it over to you, Adam and Marco, to just sort of keep all the accolades on our good friend, Marco. Uh, so, Salim, uh, it's obviously it's, it's, uh, it's been a long time coming. We've been talking about this for a while. I mean, every time he's come in, he's done great work. Um, I don't think there's much that could be said other than congratulations. I think that... He deserves to to be there, and I think we've all seen him work hard uh, easily over the last five years. For me, you longer, AJ, but uh, you know, I feel like TSN has gained a significant asset, uh, a guy that understands not only the sport but what what goes into the sport, um, and really the social ramifications and aspects of, of hockey. So, uh, congratulations, heartfelt uh, to uh, to Salim and. We look forward to seeing him uh, on, uh, you know, the Calgary Flames uh, morning skate uh, reports uh, in the morning. Um, Definitely going to be more interested about the Calgary Flames now because I got somebody to watch. Just congrats to Salim. He earned it and we lost our our guest star uh, to TSN. So, I mean, really looking forward to seeing him on TV. 
And to all the Bell Media execs that listen to this to verify if we are cool to have him come back on, we are very cool. Please let him come back on. You are now the gatekeepers to let him back on the podcast. So please, <laughs> Bell Media execs, let him back on the show. He was awesome, and we'd love to have him on as soon as possible. Uh, in any case, thank you uh, for for sharing in the journey, Salim. We're so excited to see you rock and roll everywhere across the country. Everyone's going to get to know you and your name, so it's exciting to see all right, let's move on to something completely different now. Let's move to the Hockey Flow, which is the show that we do, and we have to talk about hockey news from around the world. Let's start off with the first big one that we're kind of always thinking about, and it's kind of weird, but jerseys. Jerseys are kind of a real fun thing, and right now we have the reverse retro jerseys. I'm going to throw it over to Adam to start us off. Yeah, so the NHL unveiled their, well, basically each team revealed their reverse retro jerseys. Um, and I mean... I have my favorites. I have the ones that I would have liked to seen different. Um, I don't know what Marco thinks about it. I think definitely the the Colorado jersey is pretty nice with the the old Nordic logo on it. Um, otherwise, the Habs one looking pretty good in blue. What do you think, yeah, Marco, about the jerseys? I mean. You know, there were some pretty cool ones out there. Like I agree, when I saw the Nordiques logo, but in purple. For Colorado, I you can't help but kind of feel emotion when you see that. Same thing kind of with the um, Carolina third jersey with the Hartford Whalers callback. Um, you know, there were some that were a little bit more peculiar, like the Vancouver Canucks logo that makes them look like a Pepsi can, uh, like a, a Sprite can. <laughs> yeah. That's like off blue with, with green. Um, I don't know what they were doing in Detroit, but that looks like a practice jersey. That's a practice jersey, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, that looks like, especially, not just the practice jersey, but like an injured player's practice jersey. Like, that is... <laughs> non-contact. Uh, yeah, like, it's, it looks like a non-contact <laughs> practice jersey. I'm sorry. Um, I like the fact that the Leafs uh, kind of went retro with their jersey, but at the same time, uh, maybe they should get their caps lock on, right? Because the N in the Toronto N, was yeah. a small case N and everything else It looks ugly. It's it's the first thing you see on the jersey. I, I kind of feel bad for Toronto fans, but not really. I mean, okay. Um, the one that I actually enjoyed the most, and you guys tell me what you think, the old school Florida Panthers jersey. I just, it, the callback of the Panther with the broken sticks and like the triangular kind of um, rectangular formations on the bottom, you know, the the off like kind of purplish, silverish white. I always found that those colors meshed well because it, it, it accentuated visibly the features of that jersey. Without sounding like a total artistic uh, nerd, um, I honestly those that was my favorite. But I think the one that I felt was the most uh, tasteful and creative, without necessarily tying into pure like symbolic nostalgia, was the Minnesota Wild jersey. It had, oh, the old. it had the same look, the same colors, the same everything. Uh, sorry, not the same colors, the same symbolism like the jersey was designed the same way but it had the colors of the minnesota north stars without having to be obviously because a they don't own the rights to the minnesota north stars dallas does and b it didn't have to be implicitly in your face that hey we used to be this team it it was just poetic it was good it was used the colors that were symbolic of that area i i like that very much yeah i liked um i like well the coyotes they they 
they have a pretty funny jersey. You're a sucker for nice. that Kakino jersey, aren't you? Yeah, I am. It's pretty much the first good thing they've done in the last months, right? Since uh, the last 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you had also the, the Ducks who went full cartoon on their jersey, which was pretty... Which was different. Yeah, I mean, but they've been they've been going full cartoon for a while now. But yeah, I think I have to give my favorite one to New Jersey. I just love the the Green Devils jersey. It's yeah, you do. That's that's my favorite. Always one. makes me think that there's some sort of like DC character when I see that jersey. No love from either of you guys from the Nordiques jersey. Essentially, I mean, I, it's an it's an easy callback, yeah. right? Like, and there be and it's such an easy callback because it's preying on. A, a very, very real desire for for a team to come back to Quebec City, right? Like it's you're 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 essentially calling to that, right? And it's duplicitous in the sense that yes, it's cool for Colorado Avalanche fans, but what does this do for the former Quebec Nordique fans? Like it's just much. This is probably like bringing them right back into the sinkhole. Like they. Like I was reading online and a lot of you know, there's a significant uptick in the amount of Nordiques talk online now because it's brought back memories and people are going to get aggressive again in their desire to see the Nordiques come back. So I don't like it's not like Hartford, like there's no chance Hartford's getting another team, right? Whereas Quebec built a new arena to get a team. Uh, they have a ready owner and it's just the NHL that doesn't want to go there. So there's animosity towards the league in that sense. So are you poking a bear here or are you taking advantage of their pre-existing and very evident emotion. Well, I think there's obviously a marketing angle to be explained, but I, I just, I feel like it's setting aside the the sort of screwing over a fan base again. Uh, I would say that it is a very nice jersey. What I would say also is a nice jersey, surprisingly, and Salim will be very happy. I said this was the Edmonton Oilers jersey. Uh, that had the the nice little sort of three rings around it. The, it had a really nice look to it, really classic blue sweater sort of look to it. And uh, honorable mention goes, uh, obviously, the LA Kings, the purple jersey. <laughs> Gotta love that. It's got it's got a little bit of a, a you know, a, a Lakers vibe going on with it, but it, it's pretty sweet. I, I enjoyed it. Okay, can we go? Can we talk about the worst ones? Oh, I mean, Detroit by a country mile. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I, I also felt like the Islanders had a missed opportunity here. They could have brought back the sailor look. Uh, but the, the Islanders, they, they copied. The the, it's a copy paste from their their original jersey, like from the one they're actually rocking right now. No. Yeah, I feel they, like, they, it's like just... I didn't find any creativity there. No. at all. Uh, well, I found that the Senators one was probably the worst for me. I just feel like this again. This is you hate the Senators. No, I don't. I listen. I I don't hate the Senators. I hate Melnick to be honest. But I, the reality is, is that the Senators logo just kind of looks pasted on with a couple of uh, black rings on the sides. Well, it's their it's uh, their OG sweater. Like that's what yeah. it was. You like, for example, the one that like to me was like you could have done so much more with this Nashville. Yeah. What do they do? It's just. It's mustard a yellow still. one. Like that's it's, it. Yeah. It's a well, darker. I, it's a darker blue, but the mustard is more pronounced. And like, I'm kind of surprised you guys like the stars jersey. To be honest, no, because we the don't. stars. Okay, good. The stars yeah. jersey is, is yeah. hideous. It looks like something you stick on top of a Christmas tree. So then, can we also crap on the uh, San Jose jersey? No, because it's San Jose. No, what are no, you talking that's about? Such a Actually, cute a nice jersey. jersey. I don't like. I like no way. I don't like Vegas. What, are you colorblind? <laughs> Oh man, Vegas is weird. The fact that Vegas has a retro yeah, jersey that's weird. and they've been in the league for three years. <laughs> why doesn't Seattle give us a retro jersey? They're not even in the league yet. But I think we can all agree that Jersey, that jersey Devils um, jersey is fa- fabulous. Like I thought they're it really nice. I love. Yeah. I always love that green off 
honorable mention, but the Sabres. I kind of yes. like the Sabres one. It's, it's kind of like the OG Sabres, like style, like the Buffalo and the like. I don't like the bananas on steroids that they have now. Like it serves no purpose. They should honestly go back because they haven't won anything since they brought that new logo in anyway. Yeah, and I, I, uh, and this is just me personally, but I love that Capitals Eagle. That uh, yeah, that looks really, really that, sweet. Oh, that old, that, that's it's, a it's retro OV. Retro OV. Yeah, it's, yes, uh, yeah. retro OV. It's, it's yeah, the, it's the in between for the Capitals because yeah. they went from having the Capitals spelt out as they do now to having the actual like eagle to having the White House to back to the eagle to back to spelling out Capitals. So it's like. Kind of retro, kind of a back to not even a back to roots, but back to in the middle. Yeah, honestly, Heck, even the Canadians logo looks yeah. pretty okay. Like, yeah, I, I was. Oh, afraid. I know. I quite, I quite like the Canadians jersey. I, I, honestly, the first time I saw it, I thought it was going to be hideous, and then I was like, "Yo, your marketing team needs to step their game because they did not sell me on what the final product would eventually look like." Well, in any case, all positive signs for the most part, unless you are, of course, a Dallas Stars fan. Yeah. Uh, in any case, let's move along. Uh, let's talk about something that's actually a really positive sign. And that's the hiring of Brett Peterson, the first black assistant general manager in the NHL. Uh, Marco, why don't you lead us off with this subject? Yeah, well, I mean, this is, a, I wouldn't say a momentous time for this game, but the fact that there is an executive in a managerial position that it be assistant general manager or manager um you know for the first time as an african-american uh former player agent um and friend of bill zito um i think it's great for the game to to see a different face um amongst the you know the managerial crew i think it's going to add a sense of credence to this league that you know it doesn't have to be the old boys club that it is although let's face it bill zito is a personal friend of his so like you can easily make the nepotism argument there as well i mean that that acme world sports connection that's that's exactly. old world like, sports it's exactly my point right like there's it remains an old boys club it's just that i think the boys club is getting bigger or a little bit more diverse as it c- continues to grow um from nothing to something i'm not saying there's huge change but you know what it is and so when you look at what's going on here you have two former player agents. Negotiations of contracts should be a smooth ride for these guys, especially that they're in a no-tax state. So it works out well. Um, I think it's a, you know, I think they're building something or they could build something nice in Florida. I think that uh, they had a solid draft. I think that they've made some okay moves in the offseason in terms of, uh, you know, going to get a guy like Nutivara for nothing. Um, but you know, they're a team that's evidently going to be kind of retooling. So putting the right people in place was more important than the PR aspect of, Hey, it's the first black assistant general manager in history. Although power to him for that, because his name will go down as the first top level executive to be of African-American descent. Right. And uh, it's not like he's a stranger to the ice. He played like four seasons with the Boston College. You could probably speak more to his double uh, NCAA experience, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he's been around the game for a while now. Like it's again, it's it's a. It's, I wouldn't say it's a publicity stunt per se because like the the gentleman deserves his place here. The media is currently turning this into a he's the first black GM ever. I think NHL PR is yeah, is yeah, heavily going crazy. On they're this going right for now. this, right? They're like milk this, milk this now. Like the government, <laughs> like the like the village uh, sheep. Like let's. Well, go. I think I think I was reading the PR release. They were talking about how like he was a part of the team that put together the Next Gen AAA Foundation, won the B Town Summer Classic Tournament with the all black and all Hispanic team. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. 
So yeah, like so like this, I can understand like the NHL kind of needs a, a win at the moment because their teams are white as ice. So yeah, look I, as I'm said as I've said before, I think that it's good that you know they're expanding this uh, this notion of what it means to be a general manager. Before it just used to be old white dudes that never play the game, and then it became old white dudes that did play the game. Uh, then it became old white dudes that were around the game but not necessarily play the game. And now it's not just old white dudes. So hey, here we are. And yeah, it's honestly it's it's quite surprising. He's the first G well assistant GM, black yeah, assistant any, GM, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, congrats to him. He earned it. And yeah, yeah. I, I agreed. I I I'm on the same side as you. I, I, yeah. I congrats to him, but. I don't think he's going to be the only one in the foreseeable future by a long shot. I think no, that, no. Let's hope there's the first of many. Yeah, right? like I said, like I, I, I thoroughly think that a guy like Trevor Daly, for example, uh, it won't be long till he's assistant GM. Uh, in my opinion, in, in in Pittsburgh, right? He's already been brought on. He just retired. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on potentially would be like a, a you know a Jerome Aginla. Uh Maybe Dustin Bufflin can come in uh, once he's officially retired and kind of, you know, have a place in hockey as well. We're all excited for Brett Peterson uh, now at the Florida Panthers. Best of luck to him. Although, uh, I don't know if I don't want the Panthers to rise because they're not necessarily a division rival, but they are I mean, a they conference are directly rival. a division rival. Yeah, so, but I mean, maybe not with the All-Canada division, so ah. we'll see. Yeah. That, uh-huh. Which conveniently brings us to the next thing. Uh, let's not talk about that specifically, but Andy Strickland was uh, reporting on Twitter the other day that we're potentially looking at a 60-game season over four and a half months. I, I, I'm this is this is something, and it's it's quite interesting to see that we're going to have hockey all the way out to like potentially July. Like we could have Canada Day, a, a Canada Day Stanley Cup final. Would you imagine the irony of a Canada Day Stanley Cup final with a Canadian team? That would be crazy. I just like, I don't even know what to make of it. I don't even know what to do with myself. That would, that would just be like, oh my Pure God. joy, joy. That we have to root for euphoria. Imagine winning the Stanley cup on Canada day as a Canadian team. Like that would be mental. Um, but yeah, like I, from what we've heard recently or from what we've heard from talks, uh, it's really going to be between 48 to 60 ish games. I think that 82 games is off the table at this point. I think, but everybody even that. even sixty games, put it over four. I think it's going to be f- four months. It's it's a game every second day, right? Or almost. Ish. That's crazy. Yeah. That's hockey every night, basically. Kind of, but yeah. again, like you know, um, this is what I say. It's not a bubble system either. Exactly. So, like that's beef. So. Well, I mean, it would. Be, it might be for the beginning. That's what they're talking about. Like it's a two-tiered system. Like once, obviously, if anybody's been living under a rock, uh, we've heard the news of uh, vaccines, uh, you know, from various companies at this point where I think we're up to three with a 95% efficiency rate should be available for mass uh, distribution, especially in the United States by sometime around April. If the NHL were to start up again, the provisional January 1st that they have, I don't necessarily think it's going to be January 1st at this point because it's six five, six weeks away. Um, there needs to be a training camp, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, let's say it starts in February. Uh, from February to March, end of March, you play in a bubble. And then by then, you know, the NHL can consider it potentially 
if anything, getting their players uh, inoculated. If not, you know, they can figure out, you know, how they could work it out, you know, with governments to make athletes, you know, uh, top of the line in terms of priority. I personally don't agree with that, but I could see the, I could see leagues pushing for that to maintain the game and the, and the industry. Um, however, at the same time, there's also what, how are we going to deal with the lack of funds coming in? Because if they can't play, if they're going to be forced to play in a bubble system and they can't have fans, what are you going to do? How are you going to compensate for the lack of revenue? And this brings us to the most recent talks that we have heard. So let's let's talk about that right now because we were talking about forcing people to do things that they may not like. And that's unfortunately a reality that uh, Darren Dreger potentially revealed that Don Fair and uh, Gary Bettman um, will ask that the NHL have an additional 16% deferred salaries and adjustments to escrow limits in the last three years of the CBA. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I don't know if it's that far of a limb, but I think this is ridiculous. It's, I, this is this all, is disgusting. Like honestly, would the fear. NHL would would like would the NHL do the opposite no. if in the, if they were in the, they were not absolutely like not. this is like you're cutting players' salaries. Are you kidding me? Like there's so many different things you could cut as opposed to players' salaries. Yeah, but again, like, it goes to show you the fragility of this league. There are four teams that, if this doesn't happen, could potentially go under or be forced to be sold. You know what I say to that? Good. Because I guess you don't have the finances to actually have an NHL team. Well, you had it, the appearance of finances. It, it, to, to me, at this point, it speaks to how the rich teams continue to sustain the weak ones, and they it's it can it's a consistent cycle. And I can and I continue to say this, and I will continue to say this. There are in there are places around North America that are ready to take on teams. You look at Houston. You look at Seattle. You look at Quebec. Quebec. The, you know, like these are. Heck, we could, they, they've already confirmed they could afford a second team in Toronto. Like, why are you consistently trying to get these markets that don't work just for the sake of viewership, which won't come to watch? So if they're going to force players to take another 16% pay cut after taking a 10% pay cut um, and, and then ratifying it and putting in a CBA, like... The NHL can't back out, actually, right? Like, they they just have to go about organizing it. If they themselves call a lockout, they're in breach of their own agreement. That's why the NHL came to the players. The NHL will fold on this. There is no way the players will accept it. Are you, are you certain? Because this is literally, like, it feels like the players... Okay, and I, the players I have to preface... The will concede 16%. They may and, and concede just, just to be a clear, lower amount, so that's 16%. but it won't be double digits. On top of is the an additional on top of the 16, ten. they're losing, they're never getting back, right? Correct. Okay. It's not That's escrow. right. It's not escrow. And this is the okay. problem with this whole situation. Like, first of all, I have to preface this. We're talking about people that are earning an extreme check. And I know that to some people that are listening to the show, you may be I'm hurting not, yourself. I'm not and I know that. The, the but, guys but, that are making $10 million, I care less about this them. Minimum this no, but, but no, but again, this is this is my point, right? Like the, the uh, You're talking at the end of the day, forget the, the numbers that they're earning. We're talking about employees expecting to pay their employers for the pleasure of working. That's essentially what's happening right now. And that's ridiculous. In, a, in the middle of a pandemic, you should be getting hazard pay. Like, where's the pay for being away from your family for so so many months? Oh, all for the privilege of the Stanley Cup? And don't get me wrong, the Stanley Cup is fantastic. You know the sad part is, these players can go to Europe right now and get paid, and the NHL would just go under. 
because they haven't KHL hasn't missed like some teams have just opted out, but most of the teams are still there. Like SHL is still going on. Liga is still going on. Like these players would, these teams would love for NHL talent to come drip over and the NHL would just be stuck with their pants down. So and like they really need to stop thinking like they're the only league in the world and and pull up their pants and stop screwing over the players who have seen their part of the pie consistently chipped away over the last 25 years like i'm 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 not going to drop an f bomb but i'm effing tired of hearing it it's stop being greedy you have nothing if you don't have these players these players can go make their money elsewhere you do not hold a monopoly on this anymore. There are other leagues that have built up their infrastructure thanks to you poaching their young players. Mm-hmm. So pay your players accordingly. It's it's not that hard. Yeah. And you've already made them concede. You already made them go in a bubble and be without their families for up to two months. You have already asked them to make all of these sacrifices and to start up a, a, another season, which ownership has taken their sweet time to reconvene, to negotiate or discuss, and then drop a demand like this on them, all I got to say is Gary Bettman and Jerry Jacobs can eat a big one. And and we're like we're on the topic of players going to Europe and stuff, and, and we saw that uh, some 2021 prospects are trying to go to Europe. Is that it, Marco? Is- well, there's, yeah, Carson Lambos is already playing uh, in, uh, Mes- in the Mestis J20, like yeah. the, the, the junior mm-hmm. division in Finland. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Brad Lambert, who's a 2022 or 2023, I got to go check again because he's a late birthday, uh, is also there. Um, and those are players that was, were playing uh, here before, right? Or Yeah, okay. exactly. Exactly. And then you have... Um, Brant Clark, uh, who is projected to potentially go number one along with uh, Owen Power uh, in this 2021 draft, that wanted to go uh, to Sweden to play, uh, to I believe it was in Hockey Elsvenskan, which is the second division. Um, and they said no. The OA, He's not allowed to go there because if he goes there, it has to be for the full season. And he can't legally do that because he has a valid OHL contract. So you see, like... There's iffiness there because in in terms of junior level players, amateur players, there are different IIHF rules. When it comes to NHL players, if their contracts are made null and void by their owners, they can do whatever the heck they want. So if, if their owners suddenly decide to rescind on the deal they made them take in the summer so that they can have a return to play and a 2020 NHL playoffs these players can turn around and go and sign anywhere they want. And, you know, they'll get their money in a lawsuit because they're lawfully in the right. Yeah, we saw, we, I think it's Edmonton. They have 12 players, like prospects and players playing in Europe right yes. now. That's yes, crazy. they do. So those are players that, ha- that are playing. What's the, what's the exact? None of the junior, it's none of the junior players. These are like pro players with, with valid contracts. So AHL or like borderline yeah. NHLers. Cause we exactly. know Evan Bouchard is playing. Um, yeah, but Evan Bouchard played in the AHL last year. Like he's yeah. a professional. Yeah, right? he's a so pro. He's on his energy. Exactly. So he has, to play tier- he has to play in the second league over there, right? Is it? That's correct. Uh, in or else Sweden. he can't be called back. Is it? Or else yeah. he cannot be called back. Uh, so this is, this is the thing. You can't play in this Swedish elite, uh, the Swedish Hockey League, or the the Finnish Liga. 
yeah. unless you've had a valid contract there and leave within the season. So, for example, okay. Kakaniemi or... Um, yeah, well, we'll just go with Kakaniemi. Kakaniemi can go to Finland and play and leave at a moment's notice because he had a valid NHL contract when he started and he's held a valid uh, Liga contract before. Therefore, he can go in and out of the system at will. Uh, the same applies, uh, you know, in Sweden or, you know, for, for players that are of European descent. Like, they're all, you can go, come back. And that's as easy as it is. So for these young players to get playing time, this is this is great for them. So is it the same look for at Russian guys like players in the KHL? Russian players? Yeah. No. No. Russian players have, you, uh, they don't have an NHL out clause. It's actually stipulated in their CBA that they're not allowed to have any. In the KHL CBA, right? Or in, yes. Yeah. The only way yeah. it could happen in the KHL is if both clubs agree to mutually terminate the contract. Which won't happen. Yeah. Unless you Good suck, luck. Unless Good you're luck. really that bad. Yeah. Like you royally like suck. They won't. Like Yakupov, for example. Yakupov has had his contract mutually terminated like four times. And then traded. And you still like, and you don't make this stuff up. How to go from Man. like... Wait, there's a career. First overall <laughs> pick to like... Not even worth a, wa- a waiver wire in the KHL, guys. Like yeah. it's that's that nail Yakubov. That's gotta be brutal. It's gotta be brutal. Draft. What a bad draft. Carry on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of carrying on, let's talk about the young guns here. Uh, let's talk about the QNJHL bubble start, which uh, you know we're getting a little bit of detail on that, and not so hot. Uh, so let me throw this over to you, uh, Adam. How do you want to start this? Actually, I'll throw it over to Marco. I think he has more to say <laughs> on the topic than I do. Okay. All right. Let me let me just do that. We got. Let me throw it over to you, Marco. What are you thinking? Uh, I mean, it was cool to watch. Obviously, uh, not having to watch Pantagoua's yap consistently going over and over again because he's got a mask on his face was a breath of fresh air for me because that guy hasn't shut up since 1982. Um, If you look at the way that it was organized, I thought it was done well. I thought that, uh, you know, the Videotron Center being an NHL capacity, uh, hey, no Deeks fans, an NHL capacity arena, uh, made it so that they had enough space to, I guess, facilitate the social distancing uh, aspects and uh, really have kind of the locales and the spacing to have uh, the emergency personnel and, and whatnot and really organize around that. Uh, the hockey has been a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a surprise for me though. And I've noticed this also kind of in the NCAA. These players are raring to go like they, there was there was some chippy play right at the beginning there like i was watching uh i believe it was quebec versus drummondville i could be wrong mm-hmm. and that it was chippy like that that was some good physical hockey and you can tell like the, they, the the adrenaline's running they've been wanting to play hockey since what mid-october it's almost been a month and some odd now so like it was really fun to see them get back on the ice uh and, you know, there's more games going on right now. I think last night uh, there was a there's an odd season in the QMJHL. It's the first time in, in like 30 years that they've had three defensemen score hat-tricks. Uh, and one happened last night with Miguel Tourigny for the Blainville-Bobriand. Uh, wow, what are they called again? Armada. Armada. Armada, yeah. there you go, the Armada. Yeah. Wow, I forgot that. <laughs> um so yeah, just watching. The, I mean, we're all human, Marco. I, I know, but uh, to blank on the one that's closest to me is kind of bad. Um, it's fun to see. I would say that you know, it, I I would like to see more of this, and perhaps 
it could be a solution in early January prior to, you know, vaccines being distributed in Canada, that maybe a return from the World Junior Championships can be met with another kind of bubble tournament amongst divisions. And that could extend their time, you know, maybe an extra month, come back in February and start traveling again. You know, like you can be intelligent like that and kind of take advantage of these blocks in time to maybe get out some games without having to worry about infections and postponing games by going into a bubble and playing your divisional rivals as you normally would anyway in a lengthy road trip in the middle of the season. So these are things, right? These are things you can take in mind. I know the NCAA has been thinking outside of the box for a long little while. They've been, well, not the entire NCAA, but the Big Ten has already been back for two weeks and they're not playing in a bubble system. They're just doing it smart. So it's it's interesting. It's really interesting. So let's move to something a little bit south of the border now, and let's talk about the NCAA start of the season. Uh, Marco, you're the expert on this, so let's t- you start us off on this. So yeah, the N- again, uh, yeah, again, the NCAA uh, as a league, almost like Canadian Major Juniors, a league is not uniform. So as we know in the OHL and the WHL, we know that they're going to be starting back up again in February. Um, the NCAA, not having it. Unless, of course, you, you're you in the Ivy League, the ECAC, I believe. Uh, they canceled the season outright. Uh, that includes teams like uh, Harvard or Cornell, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have the Big Ten, which houses teams like Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, um, you know, and others. And they decided to stay. They wanted to start up again ASAP. And the Big Ten is most notably uh, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. They started the first NCAA game since the beginning of COVID, really, uh, on November 13th, exactly a week ago. And uh, again, good chippy hockey. And we got more games yesterday uh, from Wisconsin and uh, Michigan, which was really fun to see because you get to see guys like Owen Power and Kent Johnson and Berniers. These are all 2021 guys that are playing on the same team along with just, just drafted Brandon Briso and Thomas Bordalo. Like, this team is stacked in Michigan. It was really nice to see. So it's good for these kids to come out and get playing time, especially poor Owen Power, who has refused the right to go and make Team Canada uh, because he played in the NCAA and they wanted to reduce uh, infection probabilities. So it's good that they started up again, uh, but again, not uniform. So what does that mean? That means that... Another division, for example, like Hockey East, is starting up today. And not all teams in Hockey East are starting up today. For example, teams like Northeastern or Boston University are starting next week. Um, So, again, not uniform. And again, just trying to get things organized. Um, We know that the week after that, uh, the Denver, Denver University is starting up again. So... By December, I guess, uh, you know, the from now until Christmas, essentially, I think we should be seeing a lot of NCAA hockey, which if it can be done in a safe environment, is a breath of fresh air. Like I don't usually turn on full NCAA games. I usually will study the tape after and look at sequences for players I'm looking at. I watched the whole game and the beginning was rather boring. And I just, it really made me feel like I missed hockey. I'm sorry. Okay, so th- speaking of things that were missed, uh, the Edmonton Oilers maybe missed uh, filling their bank account with enough money to cover a check. So Rick Westhead brought us the story. Uh, Rick, we love you. Thank you for bringing on Salim to TSN. Fabulous pick on that. 
Uh, but we could have told you that. Just, you know, there's some other good people here like Adam Boucher and Marco D'Amico you should check out. In any case, uh, Mr. Westhead broke the story about how uh, the Edmonton Oilers are being sued by a Dallas hotel after allegedly bouncing a $28,000 check for a team stay in December. And the hotel says that the Oilers owe a further $27K for a team stay in March. Uh, and then quote uh, from here from the senior vice president, Tim Shipton of the Oilers, we have the same challenges as every business navigating through the, the global pandemic. We're working diligently through our business operations and attending to the outstanding issues from the unexpected stoppage of last season. End quote. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, we knew the Oilers were hurting for money. How bad? I mean, like you're stiff in a hotel that's already burning like that. That They're not doing hot with COVID-19 at all. Right. So they really could use the money. Yeah, I mean, that's an that's an odd story. I think it's it's probably a story that that broke because no other news were, were coming out in the hockey world i don't know it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah it's a weird one for me it's a weird one but rick rick's uh strange ones which is uh, why i'm gonna actually lead off with the last uh, last serious story of our of our show and that was rick west's story from last night which was uh the for, a former nhl official alleges that the league fired him for being a whistleblower on racism uh, i know haha all the jokes it's a ref he whistles ah okay let's get those all our system Let's talk something serious here. Uh, so apparently on Wednesday in the U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Florida, lawyers, lawyers for Lawrence Sullivan, a former crew official who recorded in-game statistics during the Lightning Games in Tampa Bay, had written that Sullivan should be rehired by the NHL and he should receive punitive damages for his treatment. Essentially, uh, he claims that he was fired for reporting on a colleague who for years used racist and sexually charged language while working for the league. Like I said, so essentially Brace, um, excuse me, uh, essentially just to cover Ron Brace, the NHL's former crew chief in, in Tampa, he said, I heard jokes with sexual connotations, but nothing racist. None of the NHL's office officials down here in Tampa is a racist. And okay. Yeah. That's a bad look. It's, it's, fun of, it's kind of funny watching them trip over their feet. Don't be racist, stupid. <laughs> Jeez. It's kind, of the, it's kind of the deal, right? Like, just try to not be a complete moron that's horrible it's pretty it's pretty horrible uh it's rick west had again we're breaking all this news on that and uh it's a shame but unfortunately you got to root this out so sunlight is the best in disinfectant for this kind of stuff all right what do we have left in our thing okay oh one last funny funny story here before we tag up for the show uh brayden holtby you might know him as being a goaltender but what you might not know is that he has tortoises <laughs> And the reason why we don't know all this this week is because Mr. Holpe did not have the right paperwork. So Brandy Holpe, uh, who is uh, the wife of Braden Holpe, uh, first of all, just imagine those Christmas cards. <laughs> and then from there, uh, they basically, she tweeted that, she, no, we didn't know we needed an export permit. We did do the import permit for the Canadian side. So now Braden is stuck at the border with two tortoises. I mean, you don't you can't write this, folks. You really can't. It's, it's, I mean, it's, if you're uh, Hamel Javeri uh, from the USA Today for For the Win, you can write this and you can't break the story. Yeah, I know, but he, he wrote about the story. I'm saying, like, you can't even script She wrote, she wrote, she wrote Sorry, about she it. She wrote about this story, but you can't even script this. True. Like, this, this is just... Wow. <laughs> like, you, I could, I'm, honey, I'm not going to make it home tonight. Why? They won't let me cross the border. What'd you do now? They won't let the tortoises through. Like, serious. <laughs> anyway, like, do, do you want to know what their, name, their names are? Please. Honey and maple. It's, it's, it's just, this, this story just gets better and better. 
Yeah. All right, peeps. We're going to leave you with that happiness uh, and that note to leave your heart and warm and happy uh, after this kind of week. Uh, I think I want to thank you guys for joining the, the Hockey Flow this week. Of course, Adam Boucher can be found at RealLyAdamB on Twitter. Marco Dibico can be found at the Hockey Expert, and of course, TheScribbageTheDats.com. And we just want to remind you, of course, give a shout out to our boy, Salem Valji, crushing it, making it to TSN. We're so happy for you, Salem. Congratulations. And of course, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, oh, yeah, one other announcement. Sorry, as we mentioned before. We're going to be taking a hiatus for a couple of weeks. The plan is, is that we're going to take off uh, the three weeks after next week. So tune in. And then again, we'll be back on December the 22nd-ish. My name is Adrian Cordero. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>